It's your responsibility as the owner, period. It's management's responsibility for the numbers. And if you're not getting what you want from the person that you've hired, whether it's in-house or outsource, it's your responsibility to fix it. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. It's the podcast. We're back. We're in person. Here we go. We got a lot of feedback on the segment where we talked about how we had recognized a problem with our financial intelligence in our company. And we we're sort of talking through it. We want to do a follow-up today in the form of inviting one of our friends and experts on the show to talk about like how much should you spend on financial intelligence in your business based on revenue level, based on team count, based on business sophistication, and all kinds of things surrounding that. For me and you, Ian, I wrote down a list of things that were problems for us. We wanted our books closed earlier. We wanted a monthly business review. We wanted cash flow projections. We wanted sophistication and costs. All these kinds of things we'll discuss with our expert guests today. Sam Hill from Ecom CFO. Looking forward to that. Can't wait. I'm just so mad at myself. This is, <laughs> this is the part of the show where I tell you how mad I am at myself. I got it. <laughs> cool. So Ian, the most popular episodes in the trailing 12 months have news updates in the title telling me that the listeners, they want to hear what we're up to. Also, that's the first question I get when we meet listeners in person. They want to know like some of the insider, the tea, as they say in London, the tea, as they say somewhere. I don't know. Does tea mean gossip? I don't know, but this is very hard for me because like growing up, I was like, how was your day? It was like, good. It was like one line. <laughs> and then... Now that my son is five, I'm like, hey, how was school? He's like, great. And then that that's it. That's all I hear. <laughs> so when you say like news updates, I'm like, yeah, great. <laughs> uh, the we first, can try. The first thing people want to know about is what's going on with DC Black. That's the update we're being asked about the most. And that's the product you're running. So let us know what's going on. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a little bit more to it than that. That's all that happened at school? <laughs> really? It's great. <laughs> went down in the playground. <laughs> oh, man. It's been a roller coaster for us. So you guys have been following along. We opened up a community for seven and eight figure founders. Uh, you have to submit a signed P&L with at least a million dollars in revenue. And then you have to get on a phone call. This is the scariest part. Yeah. With myself and our team. And um, great. Not an acceptable answer. How's your business going? Great. great. Not in. Not in. You're at, not in. <laughs> over 100 applications, over 100 phone calls. It was like totally consuming for weeks. I, I remember calling you and be like, dude, I can't handle this. Like, <laughs> I can't think about anything except for this right now. Like, don't ask me any questions. So that was my like <laughs> two or three weeks. Claire's as well. It's been great. We let in 60 plus people. And last week was our first week of masterminds. So the filtering process goes beyond just the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And the average is much higher than the million. It is. But it's also like searching fit. Maybe people are kind of wanting to sign up for reasons that aren't community focused. Yep. And so there's a reason there's 
60, like out of over 100 accepted. We were trying to construct a really good group here. Yeah. Like you have to have over a million dollar business and then you actually have to want to grow your business. That's number one. Because a lot of people are just cool chilling out. Like boots on the desk, not cool. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm at a couple million. I, I don't know what really to do with my time. It's like that person's very hard to talk to in a mastermind. And the facilitator mastermind is the backbone of this experience right now. Yeah. So the boots on the desk person, probably not a great fit for this right now. Great hang. Um, great hang. And I think as this product matures, we're going to have a lot more events. So I yeah. think it could turn into something that's interesting for those folks. Also interesting for those folks is investments. So like, how do I invest? So basically, I'm spitting off a million or two a year. It's like, it's gotten to the point where I've kind of bought all this real estate from myself personally that I can ever want. It's like, what do I do now? And I think that those are really interesting conversations. One of the coolest things is 100% we're focused on delivering an amazing experience, amazing events, amazing masterminds for these first 60 people. The wait list for DC Black is, we don't even have a wait list, but we have one. People are emailing us saying it. I want to be a part of it. We do have a landing page over at dynamitecircle.com. You can check it out. It's exciting. It's like it'll be a big part of what we do here in the upcoming months. So punchline is like, I think we're going to like be able to catch our breath in the next month or so. Our masterminds are just starting and we're going to open the doors up again before the end of the year. Sounds good. Next thing, events. Here's the crazy thing about events. There are 30 events happening just this month. Next year, we will have very likely twice as many DC events as we've ever had in any previous calendar year. We are hiring a full-time events person. We received 400 applications. We are interviewing this week. It's really nice to own your own job platform, by the way. It's been super helpful. 400 apps. We just went in there and was like, boost, 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 boost. (laughs) I didn't even have to charge myself for it. It was great. All right. So lots of events coming down to Pike. Speaking of events, Ian, I think Having hung around the D.C. since 2011, this year has been one of the, if not the most vibrant year ever in there. We've got a bunch of new tech. We've got a a new like member locator. We've got new profiles that just launched. We have a higher ratio of women founders to male founders than ever before. Our community guidelines and values and principles are pumping. It was just such an amazing experience for me personally to be in London a few weeks ago, to not have been an organizer of a Dynamite Circle event and to watch the principles, the values, the mindsets, you could be like, whoa, these are DCers. Like there's a thing here that is part of the legacy of this group. And part of what I feel personally inspired to do is to learn more about that type of leadership, is to drive principles, values that animate us to have these amazing connections. We want to have better conversations with amazing people more often. And how can we do that? I think that's the vision for the DC. And um, I'm super excited for the next 12 months. That's really cool. DJ, Dynamite Jobs, spent the last few years talking about it. We talked about how we had a huge downturn. We are surging strong through the summer. Everybody's up in here hiring, including us. Lots of optimism. Our financials are so good, my friend, now that I can tell you last month was amazing. This month is not looking so amazing. <laughs> That's how up our financials are, though. We're not even through the month yet. You know, know already. That. Exactly. <laughs> so you're pre-worried <laughs> for the month closing out? Well, it's to be expected. I mean, 
Everybody shuts down in July. I like it. Even Americans are Europeans Is July the lowest now. work month ever or yeah. is it August? Uh, or December. December is pretty low too. All right. So down a little bit, but I would say in general, hiring is up. What I like about what we're doing at DJ now is we're really bringing in the DJ team into what we're doing on the community side and saying, whether it's advice, inspo, free templates, just help our people hire better. Whether it's a big project or free help, we're flying them out to the events now to help people grow better teams. So we're trying to like bring the whole team together to gather around what we're doing here, building this robust community of founders that are growing their businesses. Hey, if you like the show, just want to remind you, we have a website, tropicalmba.com. You click through on your phone, check us out on the web, hit that subscribe button. I write the newsletter every week. There's a lot going on behind the scenes of the pod. That's the best way to find out about upcoming events, both virtual, in-person, and much more. Check us out at tropicalmba.com and give us some feedback on this brand spanking new website. Because it's time for a spanking. Let's get moving on to the interview. Ian, today we have our good friend and financial expert, Sam Hill from Ecom CFO on the podcast. I love talking business with Sam so much that we do it off the podcast a lot. Sam helps people basically get their financial shit together. You, sir, have recently gotten our financial shit together. What's the before and after for you before we jump into this conversation? Like, what can you do right now in the middle of July when no one's working versus just three months ago? when we were a little bit in the dark. Track your credit card expenses. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, <laughs> I can figure out what, what kind of discrepancies we have in our relationship financially. That's been a fun thing to do on the weekends for me. But seriously, uh, the biggest thing is like trusting your financials. Man, like I could not trust our financials. Like me and you have this big debate about like how much something was making the other day. And you're like, it's this number. And I'm like, it's that number. It's this number. It's that number. And like that went on for like months, you know, (laughs) until like we could like get the bookkeeper to clean it up. Now it's just like the fifth of the month or sooner because she's a badass. Like it gets cleared up and then we all get to look at it. We have cash flow projections. We have budgeting. We have clean company financials broken out by category. We have somebody sniffing the credit card to make sure that no funny business is going on there. So like it's basically just been a, a 180 from where we're at. Before, it was like kind of waited until the end of the year. It's like, where do we end up? It's like, okay, is that good or bad? Like, I really wish I could have made some decisions earlier on in the year to like change this. Complete 180. When being able to go to somebody, whether it's a professional like Sam or whether somebody in-house and say, could you write us up a quick analysis? You know, what happens if we hire for this? What happens if we spend this here? Yeah. Let's take a look at some hypotheticals. It's a game changer, night and day. I hope a lot of you guys out there listening are thinking, you guys are idiots. I can't believe it took you that long to do this. That means that you're on the right track. And then for everybody that's like <laughs> backing into the bushes like Homer Simpson meme, this is definitely something that you should try and achieve before the end of the year. Cool. That's it for news updates. If you've got stuff you'd like us to talk about on an upcoming episode. You know our email addresses. Let's roll Sam Hill from Ecom CFO. Today, I am joined by someone who I am joined by often in real life, Sam Hill from e-commerce CFO. Could you introduce yourself, Sam, maybe briefly let us know how you found your way into the TMBA ecosystem? Could my bio just be, I hang out with Dan in real life sometimes? (laughs) (laughs) 
It's true. I think we met through the podcast, right? We absolutely did. So I was a longtime listener, first time Loom videoer. I was a lurker and then finally started my business and wanted to apply to the DC. And I had just discovered Loom. I don't know, that was probably four years ago now. So I sent a Loom video in with my application and the powers that be at the podcast really liked it and said, hey, we'd love to have you on as a guest. And that's how we met. And you moved to Austin and that's been great ever since. Very cool. I want to have a little segment, something I'm going to call Pizza with Dan and Sam. <laughs> a few months ago, we had pizza and I came to you and I said, I'm pulling the rest of my hair out, Sam, because there's these things that I don't know about my business financially. And I believe as a founder, I need to know them. And so I'm either going to beg you to do it or, but first off, I'm going to go out there and try to find somebody to help me with this. And I kind of want to say like, at least at my level, I felt like I couldn't live like this anymore. And so if any of these like five things that I'm going to mention aren't met in your company and like your bookkeeping service can't give them to you, your accountant can't give them to you, your CFO can't give them to you, you know, maybe you need to reevaluate that relationship or listen to whatever Sam's response is going to be. So here, let me just run by like, okay, we talked about revenue and profit stuff. Like everybody kind of knows revenue and profit. Basically, those are important. But what I was finding is like that wasn't good enough for me anymore. Like knowing what my revenue and my profit was not good enough. Here's the next thing I needed. I needed my books closed on the fifth of the month. I needed them donezo, airtight, finito. I needed to know with certainty what had happened so that I could do planning for the future. And what I found was happening was with my bookkeeping service, either things were dragging, they weren't getting closed, or there was always this, yeah, buts. Like there was certain accounts that were slowed that weren't able to make it into the month. And so I was never like looking at a true snapshot in time. Do you have a perspective on closing the books? Because I, I don't hear it. I listened to podcasts for freaking 10 years. I never heard anybody, not once, I listen to different types of podcasts. I probably don't listen to accounting podcasts, but like, I never heard one of these like entrepreneurial inspiration shows talk about when they close their books. I know. And it really upsets me that no one wants to talk about finance and accounting. And every time I go to an event, finance and accounting is always a topic at the table or amongst the people that I'm next to, but never on stage. Why? I think it's not as sexy. And I, I understand that. But you know what is sexy? Money. High profit margins. <laughs> <laughs> and there's truly this taboo still around profitability. And the other part is, if you actually push most founders on it, they don't know. They don't actually know. They know what, at least in e-commerce world, what the ad platforms or the North Beams or the attribution platforms are telling them. But if you ask them to translate that into EBITDA, and what is their actual EBITDA percentage? And not only what is their current percentage or dollars, what is it going to be next month? What is it going to be this year? And actually having that budget and those projections and then tracking towards it is a, a giant leap forward. But let's go back to the core question of bookkeeping and making sure that stuff cl is closed by the fifth of the month. 
which is a, a great goal. It's ambitious. You know, when I first went on this hiring crusade, I said the 15th, because that's how freaking beaten up I was about all this. I was like, if it's the 15th, I'll take it, you know? And then yeah. a lot of the candidates said, hey, man, like we could probably do earlier than that. Well, I would say that number one, it's your responsibility as the owner, period. It's management's responsibility for the numbers. And if you're not getting what you want from the person that you've hired, whether it's in-house or outsource, it's your responsibility to fix it. I don't think it's your responsibility to do the reconciliations. I'm not saying that, but accounting is just like ad spend. You can't just press a button and hire the firm and expect your ads to be magical. And the same thing is accounting. You, You can't expect to hire the firm and everything's magical. I love this message. You know, I, just a few weeks before our pizza date, I was at a golf date <laughs> with another man and I was bitching about all this like it was my bookkeeper's fault because there's a little bit of like the doctor in the lab coat kind of vibe with finance professionals. Like my bookkeeper inhabits this world, my accountant inhabits this world that I don't know about, but I'm super frustrated about X, Y, and Z. And, you know, he turned to me and he said what you said in a different way. He said, you know what? Keepers are lazy. He just said it like that. And I was like, what he said was bookkeepers are lazy. What I heard was, I need a new bookkeeper. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I was just like, yeah, "Yeah, this is my responsibility. This is my business. I'm not going to let the people in the lab coats in the mysterious anti-room wait around and work on their own pace. So... I'm mentioning all this because I agree with what you're saying. And it occurred to me far too late in the game that it was on me to make these uh, decisions. And yeah, if it's true that a lot of bookkeepers are lazy, which very well might be the case, then you need to take it even more onto yourself to make sure you find one that is meeting this simple term. Here's the next one. I knew that when we closed the books on the 5th, that that was going to be time to speak with my finance professional and have something we call a monthly business review. That is not only where we review what happened when we close the books, we talk about what might very well happen in the very next month. And that's also time for that finance professional to give you any additional data or insights that you've asked in advance because they're going to be in the books anyway. You could ask them to pull particular numbers that are going to be empowering for you and your team in that next month of operation. So my second thing that I couldn't live without Sam anymore is that monthly financial or monthly business review where it was impossibility, of course, to have it before because we weren't even closing the books. There was nothing to look at. It was like, you know what I mean? It was like looking at a half-developed photograph or like it was still runny. (laughs) It's like there was nothing to look at. And if the data is not complete, it doesn't matter. Everything's irrelevant. Here's the third thing I needed. I needed the ability to create and to analyze break-even analysis with different variables. So we all have situations in our business where we're cutting a proposal for a new client or we're building a new product line or we're making a staffing change. And the concept of having a break-even analysis depends on numbers you can trust. It starts with numbers you can trust. And then you input different numbers and figure out what your performance needs to be, what your team needs to look like, what your spend needs to be in order to break even or meet your profit goals. So the third thing I needed was the break even analysis. 
And I guess the difference, Sam, for me was like, previously this was coming from a napkin that I wrote down and I realized that it needed to be coming from my financial platform. It was ridiculous that I wasn't starting from the reality of our data. Yeah. And you don't need to rely on QuickBooks or Xero or your accounting software to do everything because most often it doesn't. But understanding which pieces of data come from which place and how they fit together is really the key. For example, one thing that you haven't mentioned is having a real budget and projections and having your finance and accounting person be involved in that process. So if we're talking about businesses that are less than a million or, you know, sometimes less than 5 million and you've hired a bookkeeper or an accountant that you talk to sometimes or doesn't have the competence or capability to help you in those decisions, go get someone. Go get someone on Upwork. If you're in e-commerce, call us. Go on Twitter. There's a, everyone talks about like D to C Twitter. Well, there's like a CFO Twitter too of a dozen very qualified finance professionals that can help you think through this. But the budget that you created in Google Sheets or Excel or your notebook is nice. But if that doesn't actually map two individual accounts in the accounting software, it's not as useful. And most of us founders, we're seeking the accountability. We're seeking someone to hold us accountable for the thing that we said that we were going to do. How is it tracking to reality? And that can be a financial professional, CFO, controller, whatever. It can also be a coach. It can also be an advisor or yeah. A mentor, but someone with financial chops to number one, help you build that budget and number two, hold you accountable against the reality. And if you're not reviewing that on a monthly or periodic basis, then you're so much more susceptible to falling into the trap of following some other thing that's not relevant to your business and saying, oh, wow, we just got this great opportunity that came up. It's going to cost $50,000. I think this is a great idea. Well, was it in the budget? Well, if you spend this $50,000, where is that going to come from in the budget? Are we going to cut something else? Are you going to totally. go get financing for it? Are you going to go raise equity for it? What is it? And having decided all of these things previously and, and having that plan gives you some protection against all the new stuff that comes up and allows you to think through that and make just make better decisions. 100%. You know, we talked about my first three books close the fifth, monthly business review, break-even analysis for individual products and initiatives. Yeah, the fourth one was cogs with contractors. This is like shorthand for me with like, I needed sophisticated cogs information. You have responsibility for how good your accountant or bookkeeper is, but you also have responsibility for how you tell the system how things are getting categorized. And one of the things I noticed is like we have products that have contractor salaries attached directly to them, but all our contact contractor salaries were under some other situation way down somewhere else on the P&L. 
And so if you're going to do all this stuff, like monthly reviews and think about the future and having to find budgets and stuff, well, you better be thinking about if your number goes up and to the right in terms of your sales, you know, how is that COGS going to behave specific to that product line or that initiative? And bookkeepers are de-incentivized to care about this stuff because it adds complexity. And like their business model is trying to get your books done quickly. And the problem with that is like, you know, you said something earlier, which I think is really interesting. Like, yeah, QuickBooks, it's not going to do everything for you. You're going to have to like pull information from it and, and use other tools or other visualizations for that. But it better be the truth at some point. And it's your job to sit there with someone intelligent, a coach, a CFO, a firm, an individual who works in-house and get it to be the truth. And I think maybe this bookkeepers are lazy thing is another way to say like, well, our bookkeepers got to a point when we fired them, they were like, yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) And it wasn't because we were difficult clients. It was because they recognized something that their balance sheet didn't incentivize them to tell us, which is our business got too complicated for their firm to do quickly and profitably. And they felt that anxiety, but they didn't want to go fire us. We're paying them every month on time. We're paying them before the fifth sale. And so forget about bookkeepers are lazy. Bookkeepers aren't incentivized to sit there for hours on end and figure out a way to elegantly represent the truth given the constraints of this software and the difficulty of getting the information in your organization. And so the penultimate thing I wasn't willing to live without is COGS that was sophisticated and specific to each of my products, not just my product lines or my business divisions. Yeah. And that was going to allow me to associate labor costs with those COGS, specifically in my case. Let me say a little bit of something for us accounting firms, because some firms are not incentivized because of the complexity, but go find the firms that are incentivized on complexity. And that's why I love our business so much. And that's why we've quadrupled down on e-commerce because it's so complex. And we live in the complexity and we love complexity because we take your complex situation and we multiply it across our entire client base. So we're incentivized. So that's a lock-in for you. Yeah, we're incentivized to walk through the complexity. Yeah, absolutely. But you're firms that have 10 different types of businesses that they cover are less incentivized. So if you're an agency, if you're a a SaaS business, go find a firm that specializes in SaaS and has seen your complexity over and over and over again. And it's no big deal. And they are going to welcome you as a new client. And I think the other part is, and again, I understand the perspective that I'm coming from, but guess what? You're going to have to pay more for better service and more knowledge. Yeah. When you're a small business and the business is really simple, can you get away with paying someone overseas a couple hundred bucks a month to do the basic stuff? Of course. And does that work for some people? Of course it does. But as you increase in scale and complexity and you're looking for someone who's going to be more of a partner than just a doer and and task oriented, you're going to have to pay more. And I think we as founders have to realize that as we level up our business, we want to level up the people that we work with. And those people are more expensive, period. And that shouldn't be any a surprise to anyone. 
Let me ask you a crazy question. I'll do my fifth thing and I'm going to ask you this crazy question that you're going to hate me for. It's going to be great. Everybody's going to stick me. around for it. <laughs> All right. Number five. And this is just to round off this list of things that I could no longer live without in my financial life. And you've already brought it up. And it's one of those things where you take the truth of your QuickBooks and in our case, you just rip it out to a Google sheet. It's very simple, which is I just needed a cash flow spreadsheet in my life. I needed a cash flow analysis with assumptions and with sophistication of all my different cogs, all my different product lines, all my different divisions. And I needed to see what those realities look like year to date in truth and then into the future with different assumptions that I can modify. So now... On that monthly business review, I get the cash flow spreadsheet that's like year to date, it's one color. You know what I mean? It's like, here's all, all the cash in your bank account. Here's where it went. Here's where it's coming in. Here's your different revenue sources, your different costs. Everybody can understand that. The fun part is it's like, well, on last month's monthly business review, you mentioned you might be hiring somebody to do X. Now, if you hire them at this salary versus that salary, you just put the number in here and it'll be represented out here. And then, hey, you know, everybody knows about DCBKK. If you guys have 350 registrants versus 360, you know, that's going to represent itself in a different number here. And then you decide what your priorities are based on jiggering with these numbers. And uh, that was the final piece there. And it all depends. Having a quality cash flow projection depends so, so much on that source of truth, which is your QuickBooks or your zero. Yeah, that, those fundamental decisions of getting the information into that core accounting software. Because otherwise, you get one wrong number in there and you're off by many degrees of magnitude into the future. And one caveat there is the a budget, in my opinion, is different than a cash flow projection. The budget is more of, hey, regardless of when I actually have to write the check, what does my business look like over the next, let's call it 12 months? The cash flow projection is, okay, if this budget is true, when do I actually have to write the check? And let's do it for your business. So, hey, I know that I'm running DCBKK. I know that it's going to net me X number of dollars of revenue. But when do I have to write the checks for the hotel? When is the revenue actually going to come in? I see what you're saying. So there's like a budget, a cash flow spreadsheet, and then there's like a pro forma projection. So they're all like variations on the same tune. One of our top priorities, Sam, when we brought on a financial professional into our business was just knowing what our rolling balance needed to be. Working capital is the word. And you're right. That's so critical to know that because you know what sucks is like, you take some income from the company through a distribution or through salary. And then, you know, you didn't anticipate that, oh, like you're hiring somebody plus you got to write this check you committed to six months ago. And that's where the, that check would be represented on the cash flow spreadsheet. So there you go. I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's super important. I know there's a lot of financially sophisticated listeners and are going to be like, this Dan guy, he doesn't even, yeah, he doesn't know the first thing. But that's the reality with being a, a founder sometimes is there's a lot of things you got to know about. And there's a lot of things you got to not be that great at. And the universe does not give a if you know it or not. <laughs> the universe doesn't care. Sam, it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because like, and I want to ask you this question. Me and you both have million dollar agencies. All right. Woo. 
Pretty cool. The reason that's interesting is because we represent the audience. The people, the folks that listen to this podcast, that's one of the most common archetypes. And how much, I know your target market is 4 million plus e-commerce companies, all that. Cool. A lot of those out there too. But for us, how much should we be spending every month or every year on financial professionals in our business? What is appropriate for a million dollar agency and then what might those cliffs be for us as we move on and grow? And I realize and this is asking you to generalize here, but no, no, I think no, no, it no, be no, fascinating. I, I certainly have an answer. It depends on a couple things. One, it depends on the general complexity of the business. In a simple agency, especially if for us we're charging generally a fixed fee, we have an hourly component, but generally we're charging one number every month. So our accounts receivable, our billing is pretty straightforward. We're sending largely the same invoice every single month. We have the same people every month that we're paying. The same salary, the same subscriptions. Our business looks largely the same month to month. So I should not be spending as a million dollar agency nearly as much on my accounting and finance department as a million dollar manufacturer of candles because they have labor costs, complex demand planning, cash flow problems, marketing agencies that are running ad spend and and so much of the business is changing month to month that that finance and accounting attention is so much greater in the candle manufacturer than it is for the million dollar agency on a fixed fee model. So it also depends on what services you're trying to offload. Is it just the accounting? Do you want someone to pay people for you? Do you want someone to do the accounts receivable for you? Do you want someone to do all the invoicing for you? I would say that if for like the whole package that you should be spending certainly less than a thousand dollars a month I certainly am. I'm spending about 600 to do the accounting piece. I still do my own invoicing or, you know, our team does it. And I still have my hand on payroll. So I'm not quite willing to give that up. If I was, then I would expect to, to pay a little bit more. And if our business looks the same, it's just the number of clients increase over the next year. I wouldn't expect my finance and accounting budget to 10x. I would expect that to marginally increase. Hey, there's a few more transactions. There's a little bit more complexity on accounts receivable. There's a little bit more complexity on accounts payable. But certainly I'm not going to spend five grand a month on my back office finance and accounting function if I'm a two or three million dollar business. Now, If you're charging people hourly and you have 50 clients and someone has to go through each one of them and say, hey, this person spent five hours on this client and one hour on this client and that takes someone 10 hours a week, I would expect to pay $1,000 plus depending on how competent you need that person to be. But I think certainly for the vast majority of agencies, you should be paying less than $1,000 a month. Now, if you want a coach, if you want an advisor, if you want a mastermind or accountability group, 
yeah, certainly more. But just the the run of the mill back office accounting, I think you can get really good work done for less than a thousand bucks. Bam. I love it. So here's the stack, the agency stack. That's easy. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of different ways to approach this, but tell me if you approve of this. You got your bookkeeper, they're good, they're quality. That's your six hundred bucks a month. You got your CPA, that's an annual fee to do your taxes. And then maybe you hire a coach, someone who's a former CFO, someone who's a former controller, someone who just knows a lot about business finance, comes in for an hour and a half a month at 250 bucks a pop or some $300 call or something and helps you go over those numbers every month, set a plan, talk business, maybe you guys grow together. What do you think about that agency stack? That's a fantastic plan. Cool. Well, let's plan to have pizza again, Sam. Sam Hill from Ecom CFO. We appreciate you coming on the TMBA podcast. Always a pleasure, Dan. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning. 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.